Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Welcome back. I'm glad you found us. I have quite the spooky show lined up for you guys this evening. But before we get into it, I want to remind everyone that if you have a story you'd like to share on the show, give the hotline a call at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. In addition to the hotline, you can also visit the webpage at monstersamonguspodcast.com and click on the Report Your Sightings tab. There you will find the email for the show and a completely anonymous submission form. I'm gearing up for the Season 3 finale and I could use all the stories I can get my hands on. So if you've been sitting on a particularly scary story, now is a wonderful time to call in and share. Okay, enough of all that. Let's get to the good stuff. A little over 48 hours from the time I'm writing this episode, I will be climbing the infamous Half Dome of Yosemite National Park for the second time. While this is extremely exciting for me, it unfortunately means that I have less time to spend on this week's episode. So, rather than skip a week, I've decided to suck it up and push forward with this week's show. Despite the shortened prep time, I feel like I have a pretty decent show put together for you guys. So how about I stop yapping and start playing some calls? Our first call of the evening comes to us from my state. This is Joe's encounter from the state of California. Hey Derek, this is Joe from California and uh, I got another story for you. Um, This one is uh, from the house that I currently live in or have been living in for the last seven years and everything happened in the first year that I lived there but um, I'm a skeptic and uh, I've lived in houses that were supposedly haunted before and I've always been able to figure out you know the supposed uh, you know haunting things but um Anyway, so the house that I live in is was built in 1916, and it was the uh, the original house in our neighborhood that was put there for the carpenters that built all the other houses. So it's an old neighborhood, and um, it's got a plaque on the front. It's like an original French colonial home. It's in Atascadero, California, and um, anyways, when we first moved in. Uh, one of the first nights we were there, I heard talking 
it sounded like talking behind the house and I went out there looking around and there's nobody out there it sounded like two men talking uh, but just quite enough so you couldn't make out what they're saying and um, happened a few times no big deal whatever but then I had a friend come to stay and he stayed in the same room that I heard the talking in or outside of the house from the window and in the morning he mentioned yeah you know I heard, kept hearing people talking out in the backyard so uh, I thought that was odd. And then my mother came to stay. She stayed in the same room, and she woke up in the morning and said something about hearing voices out of the back of the house, and I didn't say anything to her that time. And, uh, you know, and then there was, you know, little things. That I was seven years ago or six years ago, so I can't really remember everything, but there was another... Thing that happened my wife I was going through the bedroom where she was sleeping and she woke up and she asked me who's that girl standing next to the bed and uh, I was like what girl and she's like there was a girl wearing overalls standing next to the bed here and uh, I was like I didn't there's nobody here and she went back to sleep and in the morning I asked her about it and she didn't remember saying that to me and uh, that was pretty odd. So uh, a little while after that, I was uh, sitting up by myself playing video games in the middle of the night, and there's a short front hallway, and then it opens up to the living room, and the lights were pretty low in there. And like I said, I'm a skeptic, so maybe, you know, I was tired or looking at the TV screen in the dark. My eyes were playing tricks on me. But what it looked like was a like a ball of mist. And it was up high, like probably six feet in the air. And it was probably like two feet across and two feet tall. Like maybe cigarette smoke or steam. And it was just floating there. And uh, I sat there and I stared at it. And I don't remember what I was saying to it exactly. But I was like, wow, you know, that's weird. Uh, I guess we're going to be you know, hanging around each other for a little bit here while I'm living here at this house. And after that, um, nothing else ever happened to me or didn't hear any talking anymore or anything like that. But a friend came about six months later to stay and she was sleeping in the same room, which is next to the kitchen. And in the morning, she asked me if I walked into her room and I said, you know, no, of course I didn't. And, uh, she said she heard footsteps come from the kitchen and walk up to the bed where she was sleeping and whisper in her ear, hey you, in her ear. And she jumped up. She said she jumped up and like flung her arm over in the direction that she heard the voice from, but there's nothing there. And uh, she slept with earbuds and listening to music for the rest of the night. But other than that, nothing ever happened again. And I've been living there for six years. Uh, hope you enjoyed the story. Love the show. Bye. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate you taking the time to call in. It's funny that the activity you encountered only lasted for a short while. I'll be honest in saying I have not heard too many reports of paranormal activity dying down. In fact, it typically does the opposite and escalates into a crescendo. For those of you that remember my early stories, you may recall that in my childhood home we had several months worth of activity, nearly on a nightly basis. 
only to have it completely stop one random day and never pick up again. So I can sympathize with Joe and his situation and how confusing it can be when activity completely ceases. And you're left wondering, will it ever return? Thanks again, Joe. I appreciate your time. Keeping with the California theme, we hear from Jesse and his story of a strange encounter while camping on the beach. This is Jesse's Call. Uh, yeah, my name is Jesse from Southern California. I've been listening to the podcast and had a memory pop up in my head. Um, grew up surfing, spending a lot of time camping at the beaches in Southern California. Um, up and down the coast of California, there's multiple uh, military bases, a lot of Navy bases, Marine bases. It is very, very normal to see jets flying by and helicopters flying by. So anybody that grew up at the beaches, we all see that stuff all the time. We know what they sound like. We know what they look like. So back in the summer of 1995, me and I believe around five or six of my friends, we went to a state beach called McGrath, which is uh, well-known. You can basically camp right there on the beach, right there on the sand. And like any other night in summer in California, multiple campers, Everywhere, everywhere you look, you're, you've got neighbors 10 feet, 20 feet, 40 feet away. So I want to say it was about 1 morning, 2 in the morning. I remember waking up to people screaming, and I remember waking up inside my tent to a massive blight, uh, bright blinding light. And when I got out of my tent, the light was basically moving at a very, very rapid pace down the coast. Now, first thought, with a helicopter with light, no sound. Uh, there was absolutely no sound of the helicopter. Down the beach, you heard people screaming, what was that? You actually heard a couple women screaming in horror. And it was, everyone was generally looking at the light because the light was going down the beach. If it was light from a boat, it had far too great range. Um, it was definitely something that was in the sky, pointing the light down at the beach and then took off. Nobody really thought too much of it in my party because we all just figured, ah, helicopter, boat, whatever, wasn't that big of a deal. A couple of the girls that we were with, no, no, that was, an, that was a UFO, that was a UFO. Right at that moment, which was probably about 10 seconds after the light had moved, probably about a mile down the beach and then it had disappeared, two or three jets came out of nowhere and went flying rapid speed in the direction of that light. To this day, I'm not sure what it was. All I know is that a boat was not seen with any light. Definitely not a helicopter. There was no noise. Um, Same thing with a plane. You generally hear a plane coming over. And the fact that all of us had that that general fear and the fact that the jets took off right after within 10 seconds, I still wonder to this day if that was something. Um, It definitely is unexplained. So... Yeah, there you go. Hope you like the story. Enjoying the podcast. Bye. Thank you, Jesse. The area Jesse described in his call is quite the UFO hotspot. Oxnard, a town of some 200,000, which is located near the beach Jesse described, is no stranger to unidentified flying phenomenon. If you were to do a simple YouTube search entering the keywords Oxnard, California UFO, you'll see several dozen videos posted on YouTube. The interesting thing is that many of them seem to show the exact same thing that Jesse detailed 
in his call. I'll post a few of these links in the show notes for this episode. I find it very curious that the jets were scrambled in this instance. I've spent many days on the beach here in Southern California and I cannot recall a single time I saw a military jet flying parallel to the shore. So that really makes me wonder why they were out that evening. Thanks again, Jesse, for calling in. I appreciate any good UFO story. To round things out for the evening, we stay in the southwest of the United States. The following stories come to us from Mike in Las Vegas. Take it away, Mike. So I have three quick stories. My name is Mike, and uh, all these stories take place in Las Vegas. Um, at different times. The first story was when I was about six. I was uh, I was laying with my mom. I was uh, on the couch watching TV, and I was the little spoon. And um, the TV is against a wall that is kind of like a a, a rectangle that four rooms uh, are around. So on the right hand side. If you're facing it, would be the kitchen. Room, and to the left would be the living room, and then the hallway going to the bedroom. So, um, we're laying, watching TV. It's, it's late. I don't know, ten o'clock, perhaps. And I see a glowing object come from the right and go through the wall and come out the other wall the formal dining room and then go into the I think it's like the closet wall and I remember laying there being quiet didn't say anything but when it came into the house it seemed to come in from the kitchen wall it was a ghost it was a person it didn't have any legs uh, it was more of like a top part uh, torso, head, arms, uh, no legs, and they had some kind of garment that was just hanging. And they were up high. Uh, maybe I guess I was small then, but I would assume uh, to think about it, they were normal height. Like if they had legs, they were standing. Um, and they didn't look at me or my mom. They just floated forward through the walls. And I could see it go in the wall, then disappear. And I knew it was going to come out the other side. So I'm looking out, and I see the back end of it go into the wall. I wasn't scared. I wasn't worried. It was just very uh, crazy uh, that that happened. I never mentioned it to my mom. I didn't say, did you see that? Uh, nothing. I kind of kept it to myself. And uh, that was the only ghost I've ever seen in my life. The next uh, short um, encounter is it's not really an encounter per se. It's just something very strange that happened to me. And I haven't heard this type of thing on the show. So um, it could be interesting. could be nothing. But uh, I was about, this was like the late 90s. I was a teenager and I uh, lived in a condo uh, upstairs. It was my room. Um, it was just me and my dad and I had a ritual late at night when I would go upstairs 
11 o'clock at night, and I would catch Conan. I would sit there in my bed. Well, I actually had a futon that I could sit up, so I would either sit on it on the couch or, or lay in his bed and, um, you know, watch Conan and lay there until I fell asleep. And this one night, I was just sitting there, and this smell just came into the room. It was so strong and unexplainable. I never smelled anything like this before. And again, I was just minding my bit, my own business. The windows are closed. It's late at night. No one's cooking. Dad's sleeping. Um, and this smell just comes in and just surrounds me. Now, the strange thing about it is when the smell hits me, something in something kind of spoke to me or kind of mentioned telepathically or I don't know. This is the part that's weird. But what it said to me was death. So I didn't know what that meant. I, I never, it wasn't like I heard a voice, but it was kind of like maybe like hard coded in my DNA or something, knowing that is this what death smells like? This is what death smells like. Uh, I'm going to die. Um, that's kind of how I felt. It was all really quick and I didn't know what to make of it. But I, I had an anxiety attack like right then and there. The smell wasn't there long, maybe a, a minute or two. It just, I guess it just vanished. And, but, but at that time I was having anxiety. I was just shaken up. I didn't know what was going on. Uh, for that second of that feeling and kind of that death entering my mind, uh, I thought I was going to die. But I just laid there and uh, kind of anxiety wore off and I fell asleep. I woke up the next morning and nothing, nothing was different, same. But I've never had anything up to that point like that or, you know, after. Um, it was the strangest thing. Um, and I've never heard much on people having weird smells that you can't explain. I can never explain it again. And something that's just kind of hardwired in your DNA to make you kind of scared. Um, like I was anyway, I thought this would, that would be quite interesting. And my third and final small story is, uh, it was around the same time. I think it might've been within a year of the smelling story. I uh, lived in a condo in Las Vegas. Again, same scenario. My futon was in the center of the room. I had kind of a, a, a perfect rectangle, um, um, not squarish rectangle, you know, and, and my futon was on the long side, centered. Uh, the TV centered on the other, on the opposite wall. Right hand side was my window. Left hand side was my closet. Door was on the almost on the total corner of the left hand side. Uh, it was on the, actually the corner. There was no space in between the door and the wall. It was on the left corner wall. So if I'm sitting, if my futon's laid out and I'm laying my futon perfectly straight feet to the TV, the left corner um, would be the door. So I'm sleeping and I, I wake up, uh, but I'm not totally awake. I remember feeling like my body was stuck, but like the skin and the outside was stuck, but maybe inside there was another me 
and I was trying to move and I couldn't move anything, but like inside I was moving kind of like maybe a moth in a cocoon kind of scenario, right? It doesn't move, but inside you're kind of squirming around. And I remember saying, oh, I need to wake up. I need to move. What's going on? And my breathing was shallow and I could finally start moving my fingers and my toes, but it was so hard. I couldn't do anything. Now, I remember kind of trying to find, figure out where where am I, uh, what's going on, and by the corner of my door, my door was closed, but in that corner, there was a figure, and it wasn't, it was foggy, so kind of like again in the cocoon scenario, you know, you can't see out of it clear, so everything that I could see, even if I tried to look at like my chest or my hands, was kind of foggy. So, I, so that the figure was not clear at all. Um, so I couldn't tell you if it was a person or an alien or anything like that, but I assumed it was just a, a person standing in the corner. There was no strange shapes or anything like that to make me think otherwise. And it was just standing there. So I, I remember trying to move and... Um, kind of getting worried and, and everything and I, I can't move I'm stuck I think I felt I, I it's hard to recall exactly what happened next but I think I fell asleep again like I wore myself out and I'm trying to move and get away or get up and then when I woke up which could have been just two minutes later or could have been an hour later I, I, I don't know there's nothing, there's no, nobody, no figure standing in the corner and was able to get up. Um, I felt as though I did feel strange when I woke up. I felt groggy and, and weird. And I kind of thought, you know, was I, something happened to me, was an alien, uh, you know, there or what? I don't know. I, I was a little freaked out in the morning and I didn't really understand um, what was going on or how to feel about the situation. And I never mentioned it to anybody. It never happened again. I was a teenager and you know, now I'm in my thirties. So it's been quite a while and nothing like that has ever happened to me again. Um, and back and then, um, you know, I had a computer, but there wasn't really Google and stuff. So, you know, and it wasn't ingrained in you to go online and Google it and stuff like that. So there wasn't really too much I could do. And again, I never told anybody about it. So um, I kind of just lived with it, you know, for a little bit, uh, a couple days or something. I just was curious. I looked, I took showers and stuff um, that first day. And I think the next few, I would look at my body, see if I was probed or anything. I never found anything. Um, and so I just figured I had a bad dream. Um, and, that, and that was it. But come later on in my life, I don't know how long, maybe five years ago, eight years ago, not not too long ago, but I found out that that's all the symptoms of sleep paralysis. Um, um, so that probably isn't too strange, pretty common, but it is very strange and creepy that a figure is standing in the corner. It's if you think about it, you know, you're you're sleeping okay i understand you're you're kind of going in and out of sleep your body you know, maybe neurons aren't firing you can't move 
you know, you're kind of stuck in limbo for, you know, could be only seconds. Um, but why is there a figure standing there? That's the creepy part. So, um, so yeah. So that is it. My three sh- short stories that probably were a little longer than short than I thought they would be, but I hope you find them interesting or you can use them. Thanks. Thank you, Mike, for calling in. I'll be honest. The description you gave is textbook sleep paralysis. Oftentimes, people will dismiss this disorder as a logical explanation because of the appearance of figures, or sometimes creatures. While it seems far-fetched that the mind can create a visual hallucination so lifelike that it can be misconstrued as an actual being, but it's actually quite common. Although it hasn't happened to me in quite some time, my past bouts with sleep paralysis often were accompanied by a towering figure in a dark cloak, somewhat reminiscent of the Grim Reaper. I must confess that the first few times I encountered a sinister figure, I swore it was real. As for your sighting of the full-bodied apparition, or perhaps I should say half-bodied apparition, it is harder to debunk or offer up a logical explanation for such an encounter. I could suggest that since you were laying down, you were actually drifting in and out of sleep, and perhaps dreamt the entire event. But, as it is with most of these paranormal encounters, it's easy for me to dismiss an encounter as a dream, but in reality, as a witness, it's much, much harder to write off. I will note that the phantom smell you encountered could have been a result of matrixing, which is the body's tendency to find a pattern in any random situation. In this case, the olfactory system detected several smells and blended them together to associate with one familiar scent. The same phenomena can be linked with all of the senses. Now, to play both sides of the coin, it is very possible that you did experience a phantom smell, and just like your full-bodied apparition, it's difficult to determine what exactly was experienced. Either way, thank you, Mike, for taking the time to share your encounters with us. I hope my theories at least offer up some explanation as to what you experienced. Now, as I mentioned in the opening for the show, I'm headed to the beautiful Yosemite National Park tomorrow morning, and in the spirit of that trip, I thought I'd share a recording that was made within the park's boundaries. The following audio was pulled from a video posted by YouTube user Charles Lawrence. The video was given the following description. At 2.30 a.m., we were awakened by some very loud screaming coming from about 100 yards into the forest. It sounded like it was made by a very large animal. The screams continued for about 20 minutes and started to get closer to us while we were sleeping in our hammocks. Many years of hunting and backpacking in the area, and we've never experienced sounds like I recorded that night. Here is the audio from that evening.
I might regret saying this, but I hope I encounter something similar while I'm visiting the park. And that does it for this episode, but before I go, I am very excited and proud to announce that Monsters Among Us is now a member of the Dark Myths Collective. For those not familiar, Dark Myths is a collection of podcasts ranging from true crime, history, fiction, and most especially, the paranormal. The common thread is that these shows all explore the darker side of life. So do yourself a favor and check out the other fine shows under the Dark Myths umbrella by visiting darkmyths.org today. You still have until the 15th of June to qualify for the July Cryptic Crate. I just put the finishing touches on the order for this box, and I gotta be honest, it's gonna be great. Especially to fans of Sasquatch and or Bigfoot. To get yours, sign up on the 15th at www.crypticcrate.com. I just broke 80 reviews on iTunes, and I'd love to see that number jump up to 100. If you have a few spare moments and enjoy the show, please head over to iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcast and punch in a five-star rating and a few kind words about why you enjoy the show. Each review helps bring in new listeners, and each new listener has the potential to bring in a great new story. So do me and the show a solid and rate and review today. Music from tonight's episode was provided by Mayu and Nature World 1986. Thank you all for listening, and until next week.